Welcome to the Sisterhood Podcast, where women share their stories and what God is doing in their lives. Here we talk about the real issues women face, and I'm your host, Jordan Sheets. Now let's get started. Hey ladies, and welcome to our first Sisterhood Podcast. I am so excited for you guys to um, subscribe and get to hear from women in our church and in our community. And I'm super excited because this is the first one. And uh, I've got my good friend, Owen Davis, here with us today. So Owen, tell us what you do and about your family. My name is Owen Davis. Um, I have a husband named Garrett, and we have three little girls. Vivian is our oldest. She is four and a half. And we have two and a half year old twin girls, Molly and Lucy. And I um, I work at Orthopedics East here in Greenville as a PA. So I spend my time, as my four-year-old says, fixing bones. Fixing bones. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't want to come see you because I no. have a deep fear of breaking bones. We like, don't want to see friends yeah. in the office. No, no. Um, well, how long? You guys have been coming to Covenant for a long time. You kind of grew up here. Yeah, right? I've been coming to Covenant since middle school, probably. Um, Garrett and I, we went to another church when we went to UNC Chapel Hill. We went to the Summit in Raleigh. Mm-hmm. But whenever I would come home and visit my family, we would, you know, we would come to this church. But we've been active members since I can remember, really, my whole childhood and growing up and um, through our marriage. So we loved Covenant. Yeah, and you'll see Owen serving in Covenant Kids. Thanks for doing that. Of course. Um, one of my favorite things, just to, this is the last thing, just to set you guys up for um, our talk with Owen. But one of my favorite things about you is um, that you are a gift giver. You like love to lavish gifts on people, and you're so thoughtful. Um, personally, when me and my husband Robbie were in the we were in the hospital in California for the birth of our first son, and you door dashed meals to the hospital across the country, and didn't. So this was the hard part: um, is that we it was a big hospital, a huge children's yes. hospital, and I remember so many nights of the week you or your husband Garrett would be on the phone with these door dash drivers trying to give yes. them directions. Oh. To a place that you had never seen no. and had no idea. Nope. Um, and we got food. And so we're so grateful. That's my love um, language. That's how I show my love and support to people is trying to bless them through yeah. ways like that. So yeah. we'll talk more about that. Yes, we will. We'll get to that at the end. Um, all right. Well, I know just from being your friend that um, you walked through a long period of infertility. Yes. And um, we're not going to be able to get into that on this podcast because that's what 100 podcasts oh, in and yeah. of itself. Oh, yeah. I know that um, all of your girls were conceived through the process of IVF. Yes. And um, I wanted to just hear a little bit about your story today um, with your twins, Molly and Lucy, um, and just tell us September's NICU Awareness Month, yes, too. Yes, perfect time. So for I this did. Podcast. I thought this was a great time. Um, so just tell us that story um, of your girls. Okay, so we'll start kind of with the infertility IVF aspect. Um, so Garrett and I were married in 2013. And I was in school, so we were not thinking kids. Um, and then we got in that mindset and we realized that we were going to have trouble having kids. Um, and so we were seen by doctors and we were told that the only way we would be able to conceive is through IVF. So 
Nobody obviously ever wants to hear that, but we were ready to go. You know, we were going to tackle this thing. So um, it is a very isolating journey going through IVF. Mm. And it is also a very common thing when you go through it, you realize how many people around you are going through infertility. Um, So we went through the whole IVF process and... um, Thankfully, we were able to have our girls. Um, Vivian obviously was conceived with our first embryo transfer. And then with the twins, we had a failed embryo transfer. And then with our next transfer, we were pregnant with them. And we it's kind of hard to understand if you're not familiar with IVF, the way it works. But you transfer an embryo. And we transferred one embryo with the twins. And there was a one in 300 chance that the embryo could split. (laughs) And so we went for our first ultrasound and they only saw one heartbeat. And I was like, whoo, no twins. That's good. (laughs) I was not, you know, I I was not hoping for twins. But then we went for our second ultrasound. And I'll never forget my doctor just slowly pulled his glasses off his face. And he was like, And I saw it on the screen immediately, and I said, what is that? (laughs) And he was like, that is twins. And I just started crying. And I was like, oh, my gracious, we're going to have twins. Yeah. Um, So they were miracles from day one. Miracles from day one. I always find it so I've had a few people that I've talked to that had twins and I always love to hear their reaction in the room when they found out that information. Oh, it was <laughs> quite a reaction. Yeah. I was it was absolute shock, yeah. honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Garrett was not with me because he had been oh. to the first ultrasound. So I was like, So then you had to like get on the phone and call oh, your yeah. husband and tell him, just kidding, yep. there's actually two. He was at work and he was in the <laughs> operating room. Um and I called him and I was like, I need to talk to you. <laughs> And he was like, is everything okay? And I yeah. said, I just need to talk to you. Yeah. So he um, called and I FaceTimed him and I just held up the ultrasound picture. Yeah. And he said, what is that? And I was like, <laughs> what do you think it is? And um, he just sat there for a second and he was like, is that twins? And I was like, yes. And I was like bawling, crying. Yeah. Um, yeah. So such then, a, such yeah. a lot of emotions. Oh yeah, it was. It was. I'll never forget that day, man. Yeah. It was a roller coaster. Yeah. And so, um, just because I know your story, I know that your pregnancy um, ended way earlier yes. than it should have. Yes. So tell us about that. So we knew that um, they were identical since it was one embryo that split. Usually, you don't know that right off the bat, but. Under our unique circumstances, we knew that they were going to be identical twins since it was one embryo that split into two. So we knew they were either boys or girls. Um, So at our our anatomy scan, we found out that it was two girls. Um, And then throughout the pregnancy, everything was normal, Um, sick like normal, but happy. And we were super excited. And then at 22 weeks, we went on a family vacation to the Cayman Islands. And of course, you're always a little bit weary traveling while pregnant. But 22 weeks, you know, everyone thinks you're in the absolute clear at 22 weeks. You have plenty of time before um, Before you're going to go into labor. So we were in the Cayman Islands and I went into labor at 22 weeks and three days. Oh, my word. Um, And you got on an airplane and got home because... You didn't want to deliver those tiny twin girls in the Cayman Islands. Yep, that's right. So 
we got there and um, I was in labor, but I was kind of in denial. So I was telling myself, these are just Braxton Hicks. Yeah. You know, I'm just dehydrated. Yeah. I worked all week. We've traveled. Yeah. So we went to the emergency room in the Cayman Islands, which was tiny. Yeah. Um, and I'm they gave sure me fluids. There's no NICU there. There's no NICU there. Yeah. Um, so I was just thinking, I'll get some fluids, get an ultrasound. They'll tell me everything's okay. Then we'll just everything will be well, we'll be well on our way. So, um, everything did look okay at that, at that ultrasound. I got fluids. Um, we went back with my family and things just kept progressing over the next two days. And I hit a point where I was having contractions every two to three minutes and it, I knew something was not right. So, um, we, decided that we needed to get home as soon as possible. Yeah. Um, I was like 20, almost 23 weeks pregnant. Um, so we booked a flight within like 30 minutes, um, flew to the airport in a cab and we flew from the Cayman islands to Charlotte. That's the only flight we could get. So we landed. Well, I always tell people that was having contractions on the the whole flight. So we always tell people we had our well, she wasn't even two yet. Our um, oldest daughter with us, and um, she kicked the lady's seat in front of us the entire flight. <laughs> and I was just sitting there with my eyes closed, just breathing. And yeah. I was like, I bet people are just yeah. looking at me and thinking, why is this mom not doing anything? And I just wanted to be like, I'm in labor, people. Just yeah. give me a break. Yeah. But then you can't um, tell anyone because then they're going to like oh, not freak fly out. You home. Yeah. yeah. So we just made do. I, we just did the best we could. Yeah. And we got to Charlotte. And then I kind of felt like the pressure was off because we were in the United States. Yeah. Um, if I would have delivered in the Cayman Islands, they would have gone straight to heaven because there was no NICU there. Yeah. There was no no option. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So we had to get home. Um, and then our car was in Raleigh. So we rented a car in Charlotte, drove to Raleigh, picked up our car. And this was in the middle of the night. Oh, my <laughs> um, word. And drove straight to Greenville and um, straight to the hospital. Straight to the hospital. Yep. Yeah. And so when you got to the hospital, you were truly in labor. Yeah. Well, I still was kind of in denial that I was in labor um, and I was not dilated at that point, but I was having contractions. So um, they admitted you. Yep. They admitted me under the assumption that we're going to kind of give you some fluids, do 24 hours on a monitor and send you home on bed rest. Okay. So that's what we were thinking. And I was 22 weeks and six days at that point. Um, so through the night fluids, you know, they gave me a first dose of steroids for a baby's lungs just yeah. in case. Yeah. And then the next day, um, my doctor came in and checked me and I was one centimeter dilated. So that's when everything changed okay. and they were like, you're in active labor. So they transferred me to maternal fetal medicine services yeah. and they were like, you're not going anywhere. Wow. So and you're, um, I mean, what are the doctors telling you about delivering these twin girls at 23 weeks? Yeah. So at 22 weeks, they told, well, so a doctor came in that I had never met. It was um, actually a resident. And I wish that I could like give a lesson to all residents on how not to speak to moms who are in premature labor because it it was the worst conversation ever. He yeah. came in, sat down. No sympathy really whatsoever. It was it was a very hard conversation. And he told me that at 22 weeks, there was a 6% chance of survival and a 100% chance of major morbidity of the babies. So that means like 
they would need a trach, feeding tubes. Um, they could be blind. They would be on chronic oxygen, um, severe cerebral palsy, all of those things. And he said, if you can make it to 23 weeks, which was um, basically right at that point, there would be a 30% chance of survival survival, and a 95% chance of the girls having major morbidity. So the odds increased a little bit at 23 weeks, but he said... If you can make it to 24 weeks, um, the odds of survival increase to 61%. And then um, the chances of them having major morbidity is 89%. Even at 24 weeks, there was an 89% chance that they were going to have chronic, you know, lifelong yeah. disabilities and, you know, the need for trachs, the need for chronic oxygen, blindness, cerebral palsy, all of those things. And even at 24 weeks, there's still only a 60% chance that they were going to survive. Yeah. Since I was starting to progress, our goal was 24. And they all were saying, if you can make it to 24, we see the odds increase drastically that um, they'll survive. So that was our goal at that point. And so when were the girls born? So that whole week we were on magnesium and um, just laying in bed, basically praying every day, every day, every hour that passed, we were just praying to make it to 24 weeks. And then... um, at 24 weeks and zero days, um, labor progressed, and um, they started baby A, which was Lucy. She started showing signs of distress, so they made the decision that I needed to go and have an emergency C-section, um, and that kind of the risks and ben- they were always weighing the risk and benefits right. of taking the girls versus yeah. leaving them. Yeah, and at that point, um, they decided that they needed to get them out. Yeah, so I had a C-section at 24 weeks and zero days. Um, and then your NICU journey after that yes. was so long. Oh, yeah. We were in the NICU for 128 days. 128 yeah. days. I can't even do the math. How many months is that? That's four and a half four months. And a half months. Yep. Okay. Yep. Um, and, you know, I think that um, in my own, like, mind, I've always – just hoped like, oh, you know, these premature babies that go to the NICU, they get the support and the care they need, and then they grow. But really, I mean, there are so many complications and setbacks, and your girls had surgeries. I mean, this was like, I'm sure that it felt like it was 10 years, 10 years, but one huge mountain. Yeah. After another, was there ever moments that you just thought, like, we're not going to make it out of here with these two girls? Oh, yeah. I mean, when they were born, the odds were stacked against them. Yeah. Um, All the statistics, all the textbooks told us that there were slim chances of them being okay, really. Um, Molly was actually born very – she was our sick baby. She was born septic with, like, a rare fungal infection. Mm. Um, so she was the one that was very sick right off the bat. And Lucy was the one who was kind of in the honeymoon phase, they call it, where these micro preemies do really well for the first week or so. And then they kind of, you start to see the setbacks. Um, but with Molly, she was very sick. Her lungs were super sick. Um, and there were points, I remember she was like six or seven days old and, um, we were in the backyard playing with Vivian and my phone rang. And when your phone rings and it's the hospital number, yeah. you just like feel your stomach just drops. Oh, yeah, just completely yeah, drops. Your heart drops. 
and they called and they said, um, we need you to come in. Molly's on max support ventilator settings. We can't, there's really nothing else we can do. We need you to come in. So we rushed to the hospital and we're just sitting there and all the doctors, nurses are in there with us just telling us, I'm so sorry. Like, and I, Daniel 3.18 came into my head. And if not, he is still good. And that's the verse that we just like clung to because we were thinking, if these babies don't survive, he, the Lord is still good. So all night we sat there and um, she made it through the night. And literally minute yeah, by minute. Oh yeah. yeah. And um she was too sick to hold and so we just took it hour by hour and little by little we started to see her vent settings decrease just a little bit and um she started to get better and that's when Lucy kinda took a turn for yeah. the worse. So um Molly kinda eased up on us and Lucy started tearing our nerves Goodness. up. Yeah. Um and you had a army of people praying for you guys. Oh, yeah. Um, you've got a great big family and friend yep. group and church community. Mm-hmm. And um, I I wanted to touch on, you know, the fact that going through those, um, well, two things. One, I think we can, we see like victories, right? And it's so easy to say, God is so good. We mm-hmm. praise you for this victory. Yeah. And those are absolutely due of his praise. But then on the night when the ventilator gets maxed out and when another infection comes Mm -hmm. and with all those things, he's still the same good God and still deserves the same praise. That's right. And and it's so hard when you have to switch from not just praising when things are going the way that your heart hopes, but that they're even going in the wrong direction. Yeah. And um, so there's that. And then I wanted to to just jump into have this conversation about, you know, when you've walked through these four months of trauma, seeing your babies go through so much um, and seeing them so sick. um, It's, it's hard not to get like upset and be bitter. Yep. When you feel like other people don't have to walk through that yeah. and they don't have to experience that. And this happens to all of us in different ways. That's right. right? Yep. Like for That's some, right. it might be their marriage. Yeah. For some, it might be children. For some, it might be sickness. sickness. Infertility. Yeah. yeah. This can take on so many different routes, singleness, yes. all of them. Yep. Um, so resisting that, that um, you know, our nature to yeah. be bitter, that our circumstance, yeah, it seems so much harder it is. than someone next to us. Yep, that's right. And um, so what, you know, what have you kind of walked through with that? What has yeah. God shown you in that? I felt some of it. Well, I'm not proud of these feelings and I'm, yeah. I still deal with them, um, yeah. to be honest with you. Yeah. And going through infertility, I dealt with some of that kind of not really resentment, but comparison where you see your peers um, getting pregnant, you know, people who are single see their peers getting married yeah. and you're wondering why me, what, 
Yeah. Where is God yeah. right now? Did I mess up? Yeah. Did I do something what wrong? What did I do? Yeah. Um, and then obviously going through our extensive NICU journey, you see your two children suffering and lumbar punctures, IVs, ultrasounds, MRIs, helicopter flights, surgeries. Yeah. And you are wondering, why did I get chosen for this journey? I, I don't know why. Why does everyone else, in quotations, have it so easy? Which you don't know what goes on in everyone else's no, lives. It's and, all, a, it's all um, what we think. Yeah. Goes on and in, in I was reading lives. a book during our NICU journey, and I highly encourage anyone going through a hard season to read the book called um, It's Not Supposed to Be This Way by Lisa Turkhurst. And um, I have this quote written down in my house, and I, I just always come back to it. And it says, being chosen for suffering feels like God is causing bad things to happen to you. It's a lot of pain with no upfront reward. But remember, God is not causing this. He's allowing it. God isn't picking on us. He's handpicked us to be a display of his good works here on earth. And so I always come back to that. And um, and my husband always says, this is our story. This is nobody else's story. Yeah. Um, you don't know what's going on in other people's lives. No. You don't see what goes on behind closed doors. Yeah. Everyone has their own struggle, and this is our struggle. Yeah. Um, so that's what he kept reminding me when we were going through this NICU journey. Um, yeah. And then, you know, he, he would... I remember one day specifically, I said, we have the worst luck. And he said, no, we have the best luck. Mm-hmm. And he's just the eternal optimist. Yeah. And um, he just kind of shifted my thinking, yeah. whereas this could have gone much worse for us. Yeah. And I, I was thinking in that moment that our luck is so bad. Yeah. But today we have our three girls. Yeah. They are healthy. They're thriving. And um, I mean, the Lord was with us. And yeah. We have been through hard times, but we are truly blessed. So you just, it's a mindset, I think. And you, even today, two years removed from our journey, I still fight these feelings and I'm not proud of them. But I feel like we all have those feelings of comparison and bitterness. And you're wondering, why does nobody else have a baby in the NICU for five months? Why does nobody else have to go through IVF and then go through a NICU journey? But you don't know what people go through. Everybody right. has their own and it's, struggles. Yeah, it's going to look different. And it's going to look different at different times in their lives. Yep, that's right. Well, thank you for just sharing some of those things. And, you know, I feel like we have to we have to talk about them or else it'll eat you alive. I mean, bitterness is, it truly does destroy your soul. And so talking about it, going to scripture, praying and just bringing it to God and um, asking him to take away those thoughts and to really see people uh, with the compassion and mercy that he does and to not compare yourself with them. transition us to a few weeks ago you made a post on instagram if you guys are not following owen on instagram she has a lot of great stuff you can follow her at at mrs or davis and um 
you said that when people are going through a hard time, you know, family and friends, whether it's a hospital stay or something else in their life, whatever that hard time may look like, um, giving people some tips on what to do. Yes. And I think that's something people get hung up on yes. all the time. Yes, yes. And it can be um, hard if you've never walked through something yeah. hard to kind of know what to do for right. people. Right. And so I loved one of the things you shared. Um, I'm going to read it and then we'll talk about it for just a minute. But you said, avoid saying, Please let me know what I can do for you or if you need anything. Yes. So tell me about that. That is my biggest pet peeve after yeah. going through these things when someone would message me. I know they mean well and mm-hmm. I truly appreciated their thoughtfulness, but they would say like, tell me if I can, please tell me if I can do anything for you. I do not ask for help and yeah. most women do not ask for help. So it would be nearly impossible for me to text someone and say, hi, could you bring me dinner tonight? Right. Or could you pick up my daughter for preschool. Instead, I encourage people to text your friend or text your coworker and say, I would love to bring you dinner this week. You tell me what night is best for you. Yeah. Just tell them that you want to do this and to let them know how it fits into their schedule or how it can bless them. That opens the door and they don't feel like they're asking for help, but it's... Um, yeah, it just makes it easier for them. Yeah. And I know personally, I didn't know what to ask for. Yes. But it's so true. Food, Food and cleaning a home yes. are like two things that I don't care. You, everyone needs. Oh, absolutely. Everyone needs food. Yep. And please clean my oh, house. Yeah. When we were in the NICU, our cousins um, got together and kind of arranged it with my sister and set up a cleaning lady to come clean our house. Yeah. And it was the biggest blessing. Yeah. So because you don't that's have just the, something you don't think of. No. And you do not have the energy to come home oh, no. and clean the house. All right. So um, you're a reader. Yes. And tell us the book you're currently reading, and then what are you reading for your quiet time, or we'll call it devotional yeah, time yeah. with Jesus in the morning. So I just read. I'm big into thrillers. I love I've a good noticed murder that mystery. About you. Um, yes. Owen will also give book reviews on yes. Instagram. My husband makes fun of me and calls me a dork, but reading is my therapy. So yeah. I have not watched TV in probably two years, and I put the kids down and open a book and. I just love it. So um, I love a good murder mystery. The best book I just finished was um, called The Couple Next Door. Oh. A good thriller if anybody's in a thriller. And you can read a thriller and just go to bed. Oh, yeah. No issue. No problem. No problem. I love it. All right. And then what about your um, devotional time? Yeah. So I'm reading right now. I'm reading a book called Women of the Bible Speak by Shannon Bream. And um, it's really a great book for women. And it goes through all these amazing women in the Bible um, and just kind of talks about their qualities and how we can apply their situations into our everyday lives. And it has been great. So I highly recommend that book to anyone who's looking for a new book to read for their quiet time. Cool. All right. Well, Owen, it's been so fun to have this conversation today. And um, I am just going to just put this out there um, again for Uh, Women who have whatever difficult season that you're walking through, whatever season feels like it is lasting um, years or there are um, battles that just you are not sure that you're going to see through to the end. And um, just to encourage you today with this podcast and this word that... God is good, no yes. matter what the outcome is, no matter what the circumstance is. Um, and that's a, the promise that he'll be with us, yes. that we can rest in that. So thank and I'll you kinda, again. I'll close with one yeah. little tidbit. Um, I just want to encourage anyone going through a hard time, as I look back, 
two years removed from our NICU journey. And I see now that my hardship is now my biggest blessing. And I get to be, I get to have a front row seat into two of his miracles that he um, is performing right here on earth. And so it's hard to see when you're in the throes of it, but when you kind of, remove yourself, you can look back and realize that he does everything for good. And um, I'm just, I'm blessed for our hardships because I get to see miracles that he's performing. So yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Thank you.